The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On the roundtable. Deb Hutton. I've gotten everybody's name wrong this morning, so I'm just double-checking everything. Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Uh, music teacher Michelle Morrow is with us, a People's Voice Award winner. And Jamal Myers, Toronto City Councillor, also chair of the TTC. Let's actually start with uh, civic problem. And Jamal Myers, I'll start with you on this. We sent you in your briefing this morning an article about how nobody seems to like young Dundas Square, and it's costing us about $600,000 a year. Um, do you have any ideas to fix that? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Every, I walk by young Dundas Square every time I come to City Hall, and what strikes me the most is just how many people there are mulling about looking for something to do versus the relatively small number of cars that are on Young and Dundas Street. And, you know, my mind immediately goes to what if we just restricted this, you know, this surrounding area uh, from cars and just had the streetcars and just pedestrianize the whole thing? I think that's where we need to go if we're really going to see the potential of Young Dundas Square, because right now it's kind of just uh, a place where random things happen. There's really no rhythm or rhyme to it. I know what it's trying to be. It's trying to be a Times Square, but it's not really doing that. And I think we just really need to be bold and reimagine what we can actually do with this space and what we want this space to be. If this is the heart of the city, we should really make it look like the heart of the city. Okay, Deb Hutton, it is interesting to note, and I'm, I think you were in New York recently, they have pedestrianized quite a bit of Times Square, but I also think if you listened carefully during the last 20, 30 seconds, you heard Jerry Agar's head explode. <laughs> that happens quite often, though, John, to be fair. Um, so a couple of things on that. I, I, it's dirty. It's unsafe. I actually walked from the studio after I was filling in for Rushmi one day on, on the rush up to Bloor Street to meet my family for dinner. And I was behind a couple of tourists from out of town and they were looking on their map and they, let's find young Dundas Square. And I'm thinking, oh, guys, when you get there, you are going to be so disappointed. Mm. You took all that time to get there. I don't know what the problem is with the private sector in this. I, I, with all due respect to the counselor, and I know he's new, so he doesn't have to wear the, the, the all of this. But hey, if the private sector can be involved, let's get them involved. Because we haven't had a sponsor in I don't know how long. $600,000 lost money is absolutely ridiculous. We're going to have to put people in there to clean up the issue of homelessness. Let's be direct about that to make sure it's not a place that's riddled with crime. Because right now, I wouldn't let my, my now almost 16-year-old go down there on a Friday night, which is what you want to be able to do a fun safe family oriented place and it is not that well michelle i'm a bit like jamal i go by that square probably three and four times a week but there's nothing in it that is interesting you know berksey square everybody's coming and going because they want to play they want to see the dogs there is an attraction there yeah i feel like i missed a memo i didn't realize that this was like an attraction that was publicized to people to come see it. I, I've always felt like it was a bit of a, a of a wasted space. I feel really bad that I'm out of touch, but I guess because I haven't been there in a long time. But it, it, I don't know if we can continue in the way we're going. Reading the articles, it looks like the, the pl plan that we have made in the past is not working. So we either need to scrap it completely and start fresh, or we need someone to really spearhead this because it's if it's really being promoted as a place for people to visit in the status that it is in my head, then that is a huge mistake. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. If I had visited 
visitors who had never been to Toronto, I wouldn't say, oh my God, you've got to see Young Dundas Square. I'd send them to Little Canada, which is just off Young Dundas Square. Uh, let's take ourselves to Ottawa, where on Friday, the Speaker of the House of Commons introduced a war veteran from World War II who also happens to have fought for the Germans. Deb, you've worked in a leader's office. You, maybe you have some insight into how something like this could happen. Oh, God, I wish I did, John. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Zelensky is not exactly a minor figure in the world these days. And he's not exactly a guy who's in in safe quarters at any point in time. So the restrictions, which are usually quite onerous at the House of Commons, would have been even more so. The only thing I can think about is that the Speaker of the House, Anthony Roto, actually vouched for this guy himself and said, don't worry about it. He's a constituent of mine, may have even said he's a friend of mine. And if that is the case, if that's what happened, and that's how we got to this point where there is a standing ovation for someone who fought for the Nazis, then he has to step down as speaker. Yeah, Michel Morrow, I suspect he's maybe writing his letter as we speak. He's a good and decent man, but I don't know how he managed to make a mistake. This It's a blunder, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not it's not the same as like sometimes you hear pe- politicians get their pictures taken at like rallies and that sort of thing. And people are like, I can't believe you took a picture with this person. Whereas like there's no way to vet someone who's just coming up to take a picture. This is someone that the speaker specifically invited and then also chose to acknowledge. Um, even if like you're not a World War II buff and they were like, oh, he's from this unit. I know I would have been like, oh, that's cool. And then gone and looked it up and been like, oh, shoot, we need to put the brakes on this. Um, I, I hate to say that heads will roll, but I really think they should because this is just going to feed right into to uh, Putin's belief that he, his misinformation about how he's in Ukraine to get rid of Nazis, and it's just going to, I think, fire that story up again. Yeah, because Jamal Myers, internationally, nobody's going to show uh, the president of Ukraine speaking in Toronto from Friday night. They're going to show our House of Commons honoring a guy who fought for the Germans. Yeah, I mean, this was a very, very unfortunate blunder on the part of the speaker. And I think what it probably points to is a lack of basic due diligence, especially at an, an event of this profile, you got to do your due diligence. It might be a constituent, you might know them personally, you might like them, but you have to vouch for them uh, beyond just saying that, you know, I know this such and such a person, they're a good person. Um, I think this will probably unfortunately end with the speaker resigning. I think you're probably right, and we'll see. And maybe the House gives him confidence again in six months or a year, but we'll have to see. Also, let's go back to Queen's Park. And, Deb, I'll start with you on this one again, because uh, you've been there on the first day back in session. And I can't think of a return to the House that is as freighted with drama as today's. Oh, there's been many of them, John, yeah. but this one will be fun. Yes. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the opposition takes the issue of the Greenbelt. No doubt about it. The first question in the House will be on that, I think. Um, I, I, you know, I, there are still some legitimate questions to be asked and answered, and I think that's what you'll see. After that, though, I, I do wonder where the opposition will take it, because at a certain point, if you push the envelope too far without any new information, now that we have seen two ministers and and uh, are we at two 
yeah, two staff that have stepped yeah. down. So two ministers and two staff that have stepped down. Um, it, it can actually turn around and bite you in the butt if you go too far as an opposition party. So interesting times. Uh, fun to see what happens. Maybe they should uh, take the example in an interview I did years ago with Carol Channing, and it had just been revealed that she'd been married for like 50 years to a gay man. And so I asked her about that, and she answered the question. And then I asked a follow-up, and she just said, get over it. <laughs> so maybe that's what the premier should say today. Jamal Myers, uh, what do you expect? I mean, I realize you got your own job today. You're probably not going to spend a lot of time following the comings and goings at Queen's Park. Well, you know, I suspect this will be a hot topic. Um, when you have both opposition parties united on the same issue, and this is an issue that, for multiple reasons, resonates deeply with the public. And I think, you know, what goes to the heart of it is it gives that sense of corruption. Whether whether that's actually what happened or not, we don't know. There's still an ongoing criminal probe. So that that will undoubtedly, if the if the RCMP finds something, you know, that will further extend the scandal. But I think it just plays into the perception, whether it's fair or not, that the premier is not for the average person. The premier is more concerned with uh, developers, the well-connected lobbyists. And once those kinds of perceptions sort of set, they're very, very difficult to shake. So it'll be interesting to see how far this goes, but I don't think the opposition is going to let this go anytime soon. Well, and Michelle, you take an ordinary citizen's approach to a lot of our issues. Are, are you sort of, okay, well, he backed down, he changed his mind, let's move on, or do you want to see the premier sweat? Um, I think we've seen him sweat a lot. And I'm kind of with Deb in the fact that you you can flog a dead horse too much <laughs> or you can just stop flogging this dead horse. I feel like if they push the um, if they keep on bringing it up, it's going to just it's going to distract from other um, items that they should be fighting for. Um, I'm excited to, for them to go back because I'm a bit of a nerd and I'm excited to see how this turns out. I don't have an insight into how they should play it. I just hope that it doesn't get so it doesn't go so far that people stop listening because eventually no matter how much nerds like me are into a topic regular people stop listening and uh john i want to talk to you about carol channing because i would like to hear more about this interview <laughs> oh i wish i could find it i've got a lot of interviews in boxes in the basement on reel to reel tape but i haven't been able to find a reel to reel player uh but yes it was a very interesting conversation and i was a much greener interviewer back then so i was kind of terrified um ford wheel uh, workers have ratified their deal jamal myers i don't know if there's a lot of takeaway here except that, you know, good, solid, uh, skilled jobs, uh, they got a good raise. And I think quite importantly, um, they got defined benefit plans back. I didn't think that was ever going to come back. Yeah, they got a great deal. Uh, you know, the, the leadership should be very proud of the deal that they were able to negotiate. And, you know, what's important is this also sets the precedent for the other two. And I think you kind of see this. This is more of a general resurgence of organized labor. Uh, we saw it with the strike with the metro workers, and we're seeing it happening down south uh, with the strikes in the states with all three big automakers, as well as the um, Screenwriters Guild, which has just settled their strike. So I think what this is generally uh, complying with this sort of general trend of organized labor is getting more organized. And I think they have the public on their side. Yeah, Michelle Morrow, I'm heartened in all of this because for the longest time it seemed that uh, employers had their employees over a barrel and now the pendulum seems to have swung. 
Yeah, especially in the history of the auto workers, they really when um, when things started to go under and they were applying for bailouts, uh, the workers really came together and they uh, turned back um, benefits they had. And now that everything is up and booming again, they haven't had those returns. So for me, I was really excited to see them uh, get back what they had earned. And uh, the the amounts that they were given is not astronomical so much so that people say, oh, they don't deserve that much. Um, so I'm really excited to see. Actually, uh, I feel like this is a good ending and hopefully it bodes well for the other two contracts. I think it's Dolores and GM that they're fighting for. Hopefully they, this will push them into making a good resolution. Yeah, because Deb Hutton quite frequently organized labor and in particular the automobile workers have been represented as greedy. And I like seeing them reach a fair settlement without need to strike. I agree. I am just, I'll be the naysayer of the four of us here. Uh, I just worry in each of these settlements what it does and says to our public sector negotiations. As a mom with two kids in the classroom, uh, I am terrified of what's coming down the pipe in Ontario in terms of labor negotiations. And so the better the deal, which is wonderful for those employees and anybody looking to buy a new car in in the next little while, just remember, we foot the bill for the public sector wages that will get negotiated uh, or sent to arbitration after a strike. Thanks a lot for this. Wonderful to have you today. City Councilor Jamal Myers, Deb Hutton, and Michelle Morrow. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.